will stand again, I promise. <laughs> Good morning. Last Saturday morning, uh, Jim Howe, our church chair, many of you know Jim. Uh, when I'm out at, in town with Jim, I notice how many people know Jim Howe in, in this city and call him Jimmy. Um, Jim's, Jim called me in the middle of a, a couple weeks ago and said, hey, Saturday morning, a group of friends, we're going on a hike. I think you should come. Uh, part of this is because later in the summer, I'm going on a part of a backpacking trip with Jim and, and his friends. And if you don't know Jim, you should know that Jim, uh, just a couple weeks before, did a triathlon for fun. Um, like for fun. Like he didn't, he didn't lose a bet for fun. He did a triathlon. Um, and so he said, hey, wake up, and, and we're going to, a group of us are going to, and we're going to climb to the top of Mount Wilson. And I said, I can't, I can't do that just time-wise, but I'll hike for a little bit with you, and, and then when I need to turn around and get home, I'll do that. And so 7 o'clock in the morning last Saturday, I wake up, and I'm with all of Jim's friends, which are also triathletes, and we began the jaunt up to Mount Wilson. And about an hour into this walk, I realized a couple of things. One, I was the only one drinking water. Um, the rest of them, and I was the only one not carrying on a conversation. Um, I was dripping, I was hurting, and I made it a couple of hours with them, and then I needed to get home for real reasons, not because I wanted to tap out, even though I really did want to tap out. Um, and, and on my way back, I sent a text message to to Jenny, my wife, and I don't know exactly what I said in that text message, but there was enough in that text message that Jenny believed it was quite possible that I wasn't going to make it home. Um, <laughs> and I got home, and I was just wiped out. And we had a party at our house that day for a graduate of Fuller, and I was barbecuing, and I brought a chair next to my barbecue and just sat in a chair. and. It was really a wake-up call um, on many fronts, but I think the thing that hit me the most was, you know, I'm not what I used to be, right? I am, I'm not able to just, um, hey, I'm going to go on a hike this morning and, and then carry on with the rest of my day as if, if nothing else happened, um, that I am uh, definitely uh, growing a little bit older here. Um, part of that, now I have a responsibility to up my game and get more in shape, but at the end of the day, the reality is, is that I'm not what I used to be. I don't know what I once was, but I know that, um, <laughs> but I, know that I should be able to go on a hike and, and not sit in a chair barbecuing tri-tip. Um, this is a timely uh, moment for us this morning to come to this scripture, because in many ways, the scripture we'll read together is Solomon reflecting on on his life and on life in general. And in many ways, what he is saying is life is precious, life is incredibly valuable, life is fragile, and as life goes on, we are all not going to be what we used to be. And so before it gets to that, how might we live in light of that reality of aging? Will you please stand for the reading of God's word? We'll be in Ecclesiastes, starting in chapter 11. We're just going to start in chapter 11, verse 7, and we're going to go all the way to 12, 8, and uh, listen to this reflective man as he speaks about life and youth and age. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. To who are young... 
Be happy while you're young, and let your hearts give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless." Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. And then listen to this poetry. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. When the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred, then people go to their eternal home and the mourners go about to the streets. Remember him. Before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. This is the word of God. You may have a seat. This is a timely text for us on the eve of Vacation Bible School with some specific instructions, and we'll jump into this in a moment, uh, in a time where we as a church um, do a whole lot for our young, where we say they are incredibly important to us, so important that you can walk into a cave on your way to worship this morning and be happy about it. And if you didn't go through the center, leave through the center, it's awesome. Um, this is an important, important week for us and, and really an interesting week where this text would land, where we're talking about young and old. And Pat, I so appreciate your words and your commitment to Ingrid, you and McCall, and you even captured, it was a little bit of a foreshadowing and, and we didn't plan that. Um, I, I think this, I think in a wonderful church like ours, that in this very room, we have people who would define themselves with health and life and youth, and we have those in this room that are on the older side and who are aging. And when we look at this poem about what happens to our physical body as we grow old, that reality is just so true. This is not a one-generation church. This isn't a two-generation church. This is five or six generations all in one place. Um, and so this morning, let's, let's trust the Lord has a word for us. And there are some specific things that I'll get to towards the end of this message that I think are words for us at Lake Avenue Church, words that the Spirit of God has screamed in my ear all week long. But those words that the Spirit of God has given me to give us as a church are all embedded from the scripture that we just read. So let's do diligence, let's jump into the scriptures. I wanna share with you, I think there are three main observations from what we read that I wanna point out. And the first observation is this, that living should be marked by joy, freedom, and faithfulness. Joy, freedom, and faithfulness, verses 7 to 10 in uh, chapter 11. If this past week has taught us anything, it should be this, that life is a gift, that life 
is incredibly precious and that life is incredibly fragile. Life can be here in one second and in the next second it can be gone. When I was writing this section, I pulled up a a news website that I often go to and the four headlines, the top four headlines, one of course was uh, the horrific massacre in Orlando. The second was about the two-year-old boy, Lane Graves, who was on vacation with his family in Orlando and was uh, killed. One, the next headline was about the politician Joe Cox in Britain who was assassinated. And the other was was a story reminding us of what happened a year ago at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston. Now, these are just the main headlines. We're smart people. We know that death didn't just live for those big stories, but death is happening even now as we speak and the places that don't emerge to the top of the news, that most likely we can say with confidence that people have died in Chicago this week. And we can know that people are dying and being killed all over this world even now. Life and death are a reality in our world. And Solomon is a reflective man a man who has lived many years, a man who is reflecting on the life that he has lived. This is a man that we know who has chased after everything, money and sex and stuff and houses and material things. And at the end of his life, we find him at the end of this writing to summarize and to start thinking about life in general. And throughout the book, we know that he says it's meaningless. But in chapter 11, we see some some descriptions of, of how we might live in light of the fragility of this world. And in these verses, we see words like joy and freedom and faithfulness. Joy in verse 7 and 8, when he says light is sweet. Throughout the scriptures, light is a, is a word used for life. So life is sweet. However many years one may live, let them enjoy them all. Goes on in verse 9, specifically to the young. You who are young, be happy. Be happy while you are young. Life is to be marked by joy. Jesus himself came and said, I have come so that you might have life and you might have it to the full. There is an enjoyment, there is a joy that our lives of those who follow God uh, should, should, should declare, should scream. Life is a gift to be enjoyed. It is, not a, it is not something we just hold on a shelf and wait to end because the real joy happens later. Yes, there is a fulfilled joy, a finished joy, a complete joy that will happen when we are in eternity with our Father, but we are not left to wait around here and to pout and to be frustrated and to be negative. We are here to enjoy all that God has created. Living should be marked by this reality. And so Solomon is saying, live for this day. Live it to the full. Also freedom, verse 9 and 10. It's so interesting because this could be the modern day kind of uh, ethic that our culture screams to us. But here it is in the scripture. It's a little more boundary than, than the culture tells us. But it says this, follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. In your life of joy, know this, that you have freedom. You have freedom to follow your heart. You have freedom to follow your eyes. 
This isn't a license to let your flesh guide you, right? We've been in a whole book about all these things. This is not about letting pleasure be your guiding principle in your life. We're actually going to see that as it continues where the very next phrase talks about judgment that will come for everything that you spend your freedom on. But just for a moment, what does it mean for us to live a life of freedom? Follow your heart, whatever your eyes see. For those of us who follow Jesus, who have been captured by God, who live our lives guided by the Spirit of God, the reality is we have to answer this question. Who made your heart? Who gave you your eyes? Who set the vision for your life? Who gave you a mission for this life? Who set your agenda in front of you? We as followers of Jesus don't wake up and have self-direction as our starting point. So when Solomon is talking about following our heart and following our eyes, it's in the context of the reality that we have been bought with a price, that we have been saved by the blood of Jesus, that we have been made new, and when we have been made new, we have a new heart, we have new eyes, we have new clothes, we have a new identity, and it's within that new identity that we have reckless freedom to follow Jesus, where we have incredible opportunity to see the things that God sees and to go after them. We have incredible freedom, freedom to to wake up and to use this day, this moment, this life for the mission of God in this world. There is freedom. There is no need to wake up and to be stressed out When we follow Jesus, when we know his word, when we follow our hearts and our eyes, the reality is we are following his heart and we are following his vision and we are following his mission in this life. And it is not a constricting life, it is a free life. You should say amen. (laughs) But there's a boundary to this freedom. There's the reality, there's this caution. This verse continues, all these things, God will bring judgment, banish anxiety from your heart, cast off the troubles of your body. The reality is that judgment will come. How you and I spend this life, we will be judged for it. How you and I either enjoy or not enjoy the days that God has given us, we will be judged for that. The way you and I use the freedom that God has given us, we will be judged for that. So Solomon is saying, live your life. Every day is a gift. Enjoy all that I have given you. Live a life of freedom in the identity of Jesus Christ. But know this. Know that for everything you do, you will be judged. And so this word faithfulness, living is not just about joy. It's not just about freedom, but it's also an element about faithfulness. So as much as we are instructed here to enjoy life and to live in true freedom, we are called to have our lives marked by faithfulness. Life is to be lived. It is to be enjoyed. It is to be done in the freedom of Christ, and we are to live in such a way that we are faithful, faithful, faithful to God, which means this, right? So when I wake up, and the day is in front of me, and it's an opportunity to enjoy all that God has given me, and as I look in my day and go about my day with his eyes and his heart, 
How I follow through on the things he puts across my path matter, and I will be judged for those, and so will you. So Solomon starts out with this this kind of reflection about life. The life is about joy, it's about freedom, it's about faithfulness. But there's a couple other observations. One, observation two, the opportunity of the young. And we see that in starting in verse 9 and 11 to 12, 1. You can't get away from that there's clear, clear instruction, clear admonition to the young. The young have a special place in this text. The young have a special place in all of the scriptures. Throughout the scriptures, we know that our young, and we just made a commitment to Ingrid, that's how special they are that we make commitments to the young, saying we are going to do everything we can to make sure that this child has every chance at knowing Jesus and serving Jesus with her whole life. The scriptures tell us that the young are to be taught, the young are to be cherished. And here we see that the young have this opportunity to remember their creator and to live their lives in such a unique way while they are young. The opportunity for the young is this, and if you're young, your opportunity is that this is the moment in your life where you can, where you can so meet God in such a proud, profound way that how you remember Him, how you spend time with Him, how you grow in your understanding of Him, how you, how you witness for Him, how you live for Him, that those things have a profound impact, not just for today, but for the rest of your life. Lake Avenue Church, from day one, From day one that this church had come into existence, it has had an incredible commitment to the young. This is a church that in each decade, in each generation, that has made commitments to our children and to our students and to our youth and said, you matter. We don't provide staff at Lake Avenue Church based on proportion. We provide staff based on priority. And this is a church that has prioritized the young in incredible ways. This is a church that prioritized the young so well that we spent a long time and a lot of money getting a building ready. And just so you see the fruit of that commitment, tomorrow it's supposed to be 108 degrees in Pasadena, and it's day one of VBS, and we have four stories of air conditioning and place where kids are going to be free to roam. If it was three years ago, we would be panicking right now, going, what are we going to do? So already, God is using this commitment we have to the young, this stewardship we have to the young. Because when a young person meets God, there is nothing more dangerous for the kingdom of God. When a young person meets the living God and has the practice and the the, the rhythm of remembering who God is in this world and remembering who God is in this life, their lives do something ridiculously crazy for God. Look at every movement, every revival, and at the heart of it, you will see young people who met God and are doing things for God. Young people here, this is an extraordinary time in your life. This is an extraordinary time in your life where freedom means something so different than it might one day. That following Jesus right now in your stage of life can and will set the stage for the rest of your life. And the scripture is saying to you, remember your creator. Live every day for God. Make your life about joy and freedom and faithfulness. And young people, may you do so in our midst. I was cleaning my office this week. It's ironic that uh, there's things in my office from last year vacation Bible school. 
And as I was cleaning up, I found my sleeping bag. I got this sleeping bag when I was 18 years old, right before my first trip working with junior high kids. It was a great sleeping bag. It's called North Face Cat's Meow, negative 15 degrees, wonderful. And I was just reflecting on how different my life has changed. I tried to think, tried to count and think of how many nights in ministry I have slept in that sleeping bag, in youth ministry, in camping ministry, and, and now it's, this sleeping bag has actually sat in my office for one year. And, it was, and the last time I used it, it was a prop. For, and I'll tell you this, I, with, with, with the most sincerity in my heart, I love my life right now. I, I wouldn't want to do what I'm doing or, or live where I'm living or be my days, what happens. I am right where God has called me and I love it and I wouldn't change it. But I'll tell you this, I wouldn't go back and trade all those nights in that sleeping bag for anything. When I was younger, I loved sleeping in that sleeping bag. I loved being in cabins with students and being at camp and sleeping in tents and doing crazy, wonderful things for Jesus. And when I was young, those patterns, those rhythms, the way that God used me and the situations he put me in and where I was carrying that sleeping bag, those have shaped me and who I am today and the way I live my life and the things that we value all come from that season of being young and making the most of that opportunity. Being young, meeting with our interns this week, looking at them and going, this is like, this is a sweet, sweet moment in life. Use it. You are going to get paid to go to the beach (laughs) and play with students and to tell them that Jesus loves them. Oh, it's a good life. Leverage it, young people. Leverage it. Last observation is that we see in this scripture some realities of growing old. We live in a world where, where it's a bad thing to grow old. Let's just, let's just admit that. Our culture tells us growing old is a bad and negative thing, and at all costs, you need to prolong that. In fact, we have in the United States over 10 million cosmetic surgeries a year. 10 million. Most of them have nothing to do with anything needed. It's all, it's all just enhancement. It's all a way to say, no, I'm not going to let Father Time get me. The reality is in our culture, we don't really talk about what it means to get old. We don't talk about aging in a positive way. We, we, we don't do that. We, we just kind of like ignore it. And in fact, I would argue in our culture, we just, once you hit a certain um, mobility or immobility in life, you just kind of move off to the margins. It's, it's horrific. So when we see Solomon reflect on aging, I just have to tell you, I think, it's, I think this is beautiful poetry. I think it's beautiful, but it's odd in a world that doesn't talk about aging. It's odd to hear this and to celebrate or to see how the natural reality of growing old looks. In 12.2, Solomon says that we're to remember God before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. This refers to the fading capacity for joy and excitement. It also points to the repetitive gloom that sometimes comes with aging. In verse 3, Solomon says that the keepers of the house tremble. This means that the arms and the hands shake and become feeble. When he says that the strong men stoop, he's referring to the shoulders, the legs, and the back slumping and becoming feeble. 
The grinders cease because they are few speaks to the scarcity of teeth. The phrase, those looking through the windows grow dim, means our vision will suffer. In verse 4, the doors on the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. This refers to the loss of hearing. Solomon continues, when people rise up at the sound of the birds, but all the songs grow faint. Right, these two phrases mean that as we age, we will struggle to sleep, and we'll wake up early. Furthermore, our voices will quiver and weaken, and we will be hard to hear. In verse 5, Solomon says, when people are afraid of heights and dangers in the street, this refers to the fear of injury due to frailty. I had a conversation just this week where my mom was asking Jenny and I to back up her statement to my stepdad that he may no longer go on the roof. <laughs> and he better listen to me. You're going to listen to this, Ben. Listen. You may not go on the roof anymore. The following phrases are pretty picturesque. The almond tree blossom, referring to hair turning white. The grasshopper drags itself along, speaks to the halting walk that comes with age. The phrase, the desire is no longer stirred, refers to a decrease in the appetites of life. Appetites for food, appetites for sex. The final phrase in five, then people go to their eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. The point being, man will die and life goes on for the mourners. They go back to the streets. In verse 6, Solomon writes, remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, the pitcher by the well is shattered, and the wheel broken at the well. All of these items in verse 6 are associated with a well, right? Throughout the scripture, a well is a metaphor for life, but this one is no longer being used for drying out water. Someday your body is just going to wear out. You will be nothing but a bit of a shell of your former self. You will not be what you once were. And the verbs in verse 6 emphasize this finality to life. Friends, all of our youngest moment is, is right now. We will not get any younger than we are right now. All of us will move in this direction. That is a reality of life. You can, you can take care of yourself and you can, you can do that in a healthy way. You can do that cosmetically, but the reality is we are all moving this way. We will have a longer list of the things we once were able to do and a growing list of the things we can do no more. What's Solomon saying? The point is that whatever life is for us, wherever we find ourselves in age or stage, every moment is a gift from God. It is brightly wrapped waiting to be opened, admired, delighted in. And there is a bittersweet nature of loss that makes the present, this moment, more precious in light of what the future holds. Knowing that the silver cord will one day slip away, we cherish it all the more while it is in our hands. There is a reality to aging that is, that is just true, and I think it's poetic and beautiful. And Solomon calls out to it. So for us at Lake, in light of these three observations, the opportunity of the young, the reality of aging, uh, how life is to be about joy and freedom and faithfulness, I, there are two phrases that I want to share with you and encourage you with. One, Lake Avenue Church, we need to live while we are dying. The truth is, each one of us is dying. We are all aging. We will never be younger than we are right now. 
And this isn't just about physical age, because I tell you, I have, I have been with some of the most dead 25-year-olds I've ever been around. <laughs> and I have been with the most alive 85-year-olds I've ever seen, especially here at this church. Live, live, live Lake Avenue Church. Joy, freedom, faithfulness. You're not done yet. Yes, we're dying. But we have a call on our lives to live. This is a church loaded with people who live. John and Betty, Fowkes, where are you? You're in here somewhere. 62 years married yesterday is their anniversary. Amen? And they're like teenagers on Facebook. It's a little much. Because <laughs> they're living. And you can't be with John and Betty and not see two people who love Jesus and love one another and see every day as a gift. There was an email that came in a couple of weeks ago to Sarah Jennings, our VBS coordinator, and it essentially said this, Sarah, I'm 75 years old. I have a weak back but a willing heart, whatever you can use me for vacation Bible school. Yesterday, 11 o'clock, a group of people were here setting up for VBS. And if you would look at the crazy age of people and life stage, I just saw a bunch of people living, saying, I know it's gonna be really hot today, but I wanna be a part of what God is doing at my church, and so just tell me what to do. And this place was full of people doing that. I think about our brother Evan Headley, who had a significant birthday this year, and the many gatherings that I had the privilege to be at. This is a man who is living, living, living. Lake Avenue Church, we need to live in the midst of dying. And my question for some of you, and again, you can be 25 or you could be 85, 90 on this question, is are you a little bit grumpy right now? Are you more focused on the negative going on? Is it time to live a little bit? Are you enjoying each day that God has given you and finding a way to mark it by joy, by freedom, by faithfulness? Or have you given up a little bit? Scriptures tell us, I mean, banish anxiety from your heart, cast off the troubles of your body, enjoy each day and live. Lake Avenue Church, it's time to live. Lake Avenue Church, it's also time to understand that remembering God is our fuel. Remembering in the Bible, I feel like we talk about this all the time. There is a rhythm of the spiritual life that God established in the very early pages of the Bible that says this, I want my people to be a kind of people who often take time to look backwards, and as you look backwards at who I am and my faithfulness to you, that that will be your fuel for moving forward. There is a, this is not a, um, a call on your life for some stoic moment just to, in your own space and in your own brain to remember God and to have an intellectual moment. That intellectual moment moves us into a life of action, of freedom, of faithfulness. Remembering God is our fuel. Where do we get the energy to live? By remembering God. This is our fuel for life. When we remember God and his acts in history, his acts in our life, the faithfulness of God, when we do that, we orient our lives to be what they're about. We reorient our lives to be reminded of what our lives are supposed to be about. We are moved to a life of action. We are moved to live life and not just wait around and sit around. There is a huge difference between waking up in the morning and starting your day with the news or your news feed 
and waking up and spending time in the Word of God and time with the living God. The way you start your day actually matters. Because it's when you start your day and you remember who God is and you remember who you are and you remember that God has a call on your life and you remember that he's gonna bring people into your life this day. He's gonna give you moments of, for courage today. He's gonna give you an opportunity today to live for him. But so often what happens is we wake up and we forget to reorient our lives. We forget to remember God and all of a sudden we look at what's going on in the world and we are defeated and we are negative and we are grumpy, and we think somehow that uh, surely God, this is all getting out of control. Friends, read the Bible. Read what we have uh, worshiped together this morning. We have a God who knows exactly what is going on, a God who has called each one of us into life to be lived, and there is nothing happening in this world that isn't outside of his divine reality. And if you are low on energy, if you are low on hope, if you are low on life, remember God. Remember God and his faithfulness. Remember God and his, the way he has moved in history. Remember a God who is faithful. And when you remember that God, it gives you fuel for the day. Let's close with, with this. You're gonna be a little late, but you'll be all right. I, I, I specifically have just a couple of words for those who would identify as the young and, and those who would identify as aging or a little bit older. And I would encourage, especially in this space, to really be generous on, on all sides of that. I would say if you're under 30, I'm talking to you right now. So to our young, live, run wild in the faithful freedom found in Jesus Christ. This church needs you to. We need you to be fueled by God. And as you walk with Jesus in this day, in this moment in history, you will teach us who are older. And when we are grumpy, you have the ability to pull us out of that place and to remind us who God is and what God is doing right now in this world. Young people, we need you. We need more of you. To the older folks in this congregation, somewhat similar, live, like really live. Remember the faithfulness of God in your life. Let that fuel you today. Today matters. Your time isn't up. Your season isn't over. Jesus has work for you to do still. You still have risky things that God wants you to do in your life. Keep the faith. Fight the fight. Enjoy this day that God has given you. And you too, run wild with Jesus as he leads you. But older people, I've got one more word for you. And it's a word for myself. Love our young people. They need us to love them. When I was in sixth grade, a picture of me in sixth grade is on this Father's Day, I'm always reflective of the reality of my life. And in sixth grade was when my family started uh, pulling apart. And my dad left our family and um, it was rough, still, still can be rough, but 
The reality is, uh, as I've said before, my mom let me hang out at youth groups, and that's how I came to faith. And I have to tell you that um, in the absence of a father in middle school, the church became my father. And the church was a place that told me all the time that I mattered, that I had something to, that I was worth their time, that they cared what I had to say, that they listened to me and walked with me and provided for me. So on this Father's Day, the two words that have emerged, these are not comprehensive words for all of fathering. They might not be your words for fathering, but my words today are when I think about our Heavenly Father and what it means to be a father, I think about words like sacrifice and provision. And my call on those in this church that would identify in the older category, my encouragement to you is to sacrifice and to provide for the young in this church. Now, we do that really well and very easily through children's and student ministries, but I'm going to ask you to expand that a little bit, to sacrifice and provide for 20-year-olds, for those in early career, newly married, or new young children. Listen to them. Sacrifice for them. Provide for them. Think the best in them. Leave a legacy for them. Stop arguing with them. Recognize their uniqueness. Recognize that they are growing up in a different day, in a different world, and that the living God is the same, but he might be writing new songs. And friends, they will hear those songs and sing those songs so that we might be encouraged. As we close in prayer, I'll be praying for those of us who need a little infusion of life, that the Spirit of God would do that for us, and that as we leave into this day and this week, that we'll be more alive than we were last week, and we'll have a closing song that will encourage you along those ways as well. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the encouragement you have on our lives and the preciousness of life. We recognize all of it as a gift from you. And so we say thank you for that gift. And so help us just this day, this Sunday, this Father's Day to enjoy it, to have moments of joy, to live in the freedom of Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, Lord, that we would be found faithful. Help us to be a community, a church, individuals that care deeply about the very moment you've placed us in. And I pray, God, that we would be a church where the young remember you in such profound ways that it would change all of us, and that as we all grow old, that we will be the kind of community that will shove off grumpiness and put on sacrifice and put on provision. All of it, Lord, so that you can be known and seen and realized in a world that desperately needs it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.